I don't know about you, but as a runner, I spend a lot of time in and out of the shower, depending on the weather, depending on how much running I'm doing. So it's important to me the types of soap products that I put on my skin. Read the labels on most soap products these days and you're bound to see ingredients that you don't even recognize. Ingredients that reap havoc on your skin. This is why I use Butter and Lye soap products. Butter and Lye is a natural soap company committed to creating products that are simple and gentle on your skin, full of what your skin needs and free of what it doesn't. Their bar soaps provide the perfect clean without artificial fragrances, colors, or any of the toxins that leave your skin feeling dull, dry, and damaged. So head on over to butterandlie.com and check out their product line. And as a special to our Rookie Runners listeners, you can use promo code ROOKIERUNNERS15 at checkout for a 15% discount. So that's butterandlie.com, B-U-T-T-E-R-A-N-D-L-Y-E.com, and check them out. Welcome to episode 18. My name is Ray. Let's get started, shall we? Welcome to the Rookie Runners Podcast, a show that explores the challenges and conversations runners are having as they begin their running journey. We run to become the best versions of ourselves. Embrace the process and enjoy each and every step. Now, here's your host, Ray Gerard. Yes, indeed. We run to become the best versions of ourselves. I agree with that premise. Do you? Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate, right? <laughs> Welcome to the program. Hope you are well. I'm always willing to try new ways of training and developing as an athlete and fitness enthusiast. And there are many methods of training out there. But I've always believed that what works for one person may not necessarily work for another. That's why it's important to do your research, experiment, and find out what works for you. Or hire a coach that will take your best interests in mind and work with you to bring the very best out of you. I've been trying a new training method lately. It's called the Maffetone Heart Rate Training Method. It's a very interesting way of running where the formula prescribed is a uh, where you run at your maximum aerobic function heart rate. It's very interesting. I'm learning as I go. So far, so good. But if you want to learn more about it, go to philmaffetone.com. There's plenty of research that points to its merits and benefits, and I'm really enjoying it right now. Coming up in segment two, I'm speaking once again to Amanda Morley. If the name sounds familiar, she was in episode 14 of the podcast. So without further ado, let's head on over to segment two and my interview with Amanda Morley. Hello, Amanda. Hello, Ray. How are you? How are you today? Doing amazing. That's amazing, great. amazing. Super grateful. Great so, to be with you. So glad to have you back on the podcast. As we discussed in episode 14, we yes. needed a part two because there were so many topics that we wanted to discuss, specifically training, coaching, and performance. Mm-hmm. But first, a reminder to those in the audience that may not uh, have listened to you before, maybe meeting you for the first time. You are a former world-class athlete and now a performance coach working with both beginners and seasoned athletes. And of course, at the height of your career, you were a Winter Olympic alternate with the USA and Canadian bobsled team in 2006 and 2010. So you've seen coaching from both sides of the spectrum, right? 
I have, Ray. I really have. It's been uh, amazing to, of course, have some of the best coaches in the world support me on my journey. And then also to be able to, you know, as I was moving into retirement and, and more of a mature athlete, I could really see, oh, this is why they do it. So it made more sense to me instead of just being the athlete. I could really see the coach perspective. And then after I retired, um, I moved full time into coaching, which has just been amazing. So definitely both sides of the spectrum. That is awesome. And how is your perspective different as an athlete turned coach? Yeah, so I would say my perspective um, is different. You know, I I think as an athlete, you have a lot of insights and awareness about your personal journey. Uh, You're, you know, you're intimately connected to how your body performs um, and how your body is doing. And so though that awareness, I think, is really important. And my coaches always really empowered us. I mean, I remember all the way back into high school, I think coaching is incredible because it has the ability to really shape and and support and direct um, the path and the journey of the athlete. So um, I remember, you know, especially on the national teams and the World Cup, our coaches would be very much about, hey, what is your process? What's going on for you? You know, and it was very individualized. And so now as a coach, I recognize that there's no blanket, you know, one one size fits all approach for athletes. Uh, We work with athletes across disciplines. We work with athletes at different stages of life, development, all of those things. So it's very important that there is an individualized approach for athletes and that athletes have a buy-in. They they really understand their process and they're not just going, you know, hey, tell me what I need to do and going and doing it. I love working with athletes that, you know, love their process and want to really refine it so that they can be their best. That is excellent. As a performance coach, you work with a lot of new athletes, I'm sure. What do you think new athletes need to focus on the most as they embark in their uh, journey? Let's say, as an example, a runner, as they embark Mm -hmm. in their running journey, what should they focus on the most? It's a great question, Ray. Um, And I really think that it really depends on what's most important to that athlete. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it really depends on where they're going. And so that's usually where I start. I'm like, okay, so what is your vision? Like, what is you being at your most fulfilling, best performing, the best version of yourself? What does that look like? And so when we start with that, you know, kind of the end goal in mind or, you know, what they're looking to achieve, we're able to work backwards. And then we start to ask questions like, okay, what's the biggest priority in your performance? Um, You know, whether it's avoiding injury, whether it's, you know, coming in and for some of our younger athletes, it's to get a college scholarship. Um, for some of our more mature athletes, it's longevity and, you know, maybe looking at some of the weaknesses in their different stride or in their different event as they're cycling. Like, how do we look at the pieces that are going to really create the greatest success? And ultimately, that's going to be the fulfillment and the enjoyment of the athlete because it's based on their goals. So that's one of the first things um, in terms of focus. It's like, okay, asking yourself, what is your focus? Why are you doing this? And for some people, you know, I've had such great conversations, um, you know, with our athletes and and also just within our community Mm -hmm. of people that are like, I just want to run because I love how it feels. It makes me super happy. I don't, I don't have to go out and win races. I don't even have to, you know, necessarily compete. It's the process that I love. Whereas others are like, okay, you know, I'm going for, you know, my, my next Ironman and I want to crush it and I want to feel amazing. I want to look incredible and all of these different things. Uh, so it really depends. It depends on the athlete, but I would say 
the number one place to focus is what are you doing? Are you doing this for health reasons? Are you doing this because it's, you know, surely something that you love? Is there something that you're chasing, like that deeper level of you becoming your best self, that running or that cycling or swimming or lacrosse or, you know, any of the sports really bring out? Um, that's really for the athlete to answer. And so that's really the place that we start. That is so perfect. I like the idea of starting with their goal what their mm-hmm. vision is for themselves and then working with that. That's just a great way to go. And, Absolutely, Ray. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I just wanted to add, Ray, that sure. it's important as people are looking and vetting their coaches too. So a lot of new athletes, they know they need support. They know, you know, I think on our previous podcast, I talked about how coaches help to point out the blind spots that you have. You know, yes. like when you're driving a car, you have those blind spots. So coaching is really, really powerful for that. But it, not every coach is for every athlete. So I recognize, like I work with people that, you know, they're, they're high performers. They, they have that mentality like, Oh, this is good, but I want to be great. A lot of my athletes, they want to be 12s out of 10s. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also work with some that that 12 out of 10 is not a result or a performance result. It's more like I want to tap into my fullest potential and leave it all out there. And so just the remembering the remembrance that, not every coach is for you as you're looking for a coach um, from an athlete's perspective, knowing that they have a philosophy and kind of that likeness of spirit with you um, and that they're going to push you and challenge you to reach your goals. But um, their, their philosophy is very important for athletes to look at before they sign on with a coach. Great idea. I love it. Let's dig into coaching a little bit. Uh, fundamentally, an athlete goes through a process of stressing the body Uh, Mm -hmm. through training and learning certain techniques, then rest and recover to allow the adaptations to take place. You Mm -hmm. stated in a previous conversation we had that an athlete needs to know the difference between rested and recovered. Please tell us the difference. That's a great question. So, I mean, one of the key things there's, I'll go into, you know, detail when you're rested, um, really like your mind is rested, like your body feels fresh, some of these pieces. Now, that's a component of recovery, but it's not everything. So being rested, it's like you wake up and you're not more tired, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's a really good indicator. It's like, okay, I wake up and I feel fresh and I'm rested. You know, I don't feel like I want to crawl back into bed. Okay, so that would be kind of a a very simple, yes, um, explanation of what it is to be rested. Now, when it comes to recovery, we're looking at what's happening over a compound amount of time. So take one week, for example. If you start off the week and you're like, okay, I'm fresh, I am rested, my mind is clear, which is a key component in recovery, um, your mind and your heart and your motivation, you actually want to go do it again. So what you'll notice is with some athletes, what we see is that if they're not recovered, their desire or their hunger to go out and to train, it's significantly less because their body is still pretty tapped out. Uh, And you'll, yeah, so you'll see this rate like over the progression of the week. So if the cycling uh, within the larger cycle is not appropriate for the athlete or even within the week, um, if they're having too many hard days or for my more mature athletes, I've got to look at, okay, during their cycle, do they need three days of training? Do they need six days of training? There's a big difference. So it's one of those pieces that working with a coach, you can get to know those specific things. So you're not overtraining, um, over 
training occurs a few different ways, but mainly when the body doesn't have time to truly recover um, for a prolonged period of time. So you can liken it to like adrenal fatigue almost. It's like, okay, everything is tapped out. There's no desire. If there is a desire, there's not the energy there. It's a heavy feeling. So think of like a heavy, wet blanket on you. Yes, yes. Yeah. So that's that's the fatigue comes in. Now, not to say that training cycles and training sessions are not super challenging and tap you out. But you should be able to have that resilience and that bounce back in your training. So when you're rested, it's like, okay, I feel good. I'm ready to go. But when you're truly recovered, your mind, your body, everything in your physical energy is ready for what's next. And so that's something to take a look at when you're cycling programs or when you're moving through the week. That's a very important differentiation. I guess the athlete also needs to know their bodies, how their Mm -hmm. bodies respond. So that's really good. And in the recreational running community, which I'm a part of, of course, one thing that mm-hmm. stands out to me is the number of injuries I've seen athletes sustain during their training. I've been fortunate to have avoided that pattern. I attribute that mostly to training smart and kind of going easy most of the time, 80% of the time. Mm-hmm. That's what has worked for me. But as a coach, what is your approach to injury prevention? Mm. Fantastic question. This is one that we've actually been seeing a lot more, especially with, you know, athletes that have been training through Mm -hmm. this last year, the pandemic, or if they've, you know, taken some time off and they're getting back. So they're trying to get back to where they were. Um, We've seen these things popping up, these compound injuries even. So I would say that I mean, the number one thing, it's hard to, it's hard to break down injury. Injuries are complex. Um, They can come from, you know, having fundamental movement patterns that are not ideal. They can come from previous injuries. So it's kind of like what came first, the cart or the horse. So it's a little bit tough to like, you know, just give a blanket answer. But in terms of injury prevention, I think the number one thing, and I heard this from one of my coaches, um, I was fortunate not to have a lot of injuries, but I remember the times that I did, this was truth. I want to share this with you and our listeners. Um, When it comes to injury prevention, the only time that you get injured is when you're not present in your body. So when you get distracted, um, I remember I I tore my hamstring and it was right before the 2006 Olympics. Um, It was it was the season, you know, the summer before. And I remember exactly what I was doing. I remember I was pushing in the ice house in Calgary, Alberta, and I glanced over because all of the drivers were evaluating the push athletes to decide who they wanted to to do runs with, um, to to race with for the upcoming season. Mm -hmm. And I remember I glanced up for a moment. And I saw Jill Bakken, who was the 2002 Olympic gold medalist, and I knew she was watching. And just for that moment, like my focus was not on sprinting on the ice, pushing the sled and getting the fastest time. It just was enough to distract. And that was the moment that I pulled my hamstring. Wow. So, you know, there are, and I mean, I remember the same thing with my Achilles rupture, right? So um, I thought that that was really powerful when I heard that. Of course, when I actually experienced it in my body, it made it very true. But when you stay present in your body, um, you're able to move through, either pull it back, rein it in, or push when you know you can handle it. Now, that kind of brings us into the second part of your question, Ray. It's like, okay, well, you know, injury prevention is a lot about knowing your capacity at a given time. 
So when you know what you're capable of because of the foundation that you've laid, then you know how much you can push. You know what your 80% is. Um, There's also going to be times where you want to dial it up and do that 90% and, you know, kind of push the, push the envelope a little bit. You've got to do that with wisdom. And I find, I found for myself as an athlete, I find as a coach that that's the time where you need an extra set of eyes and you need a different perspective because it's really tough sometimes to be objective about your process when you're in it. You're like, I want to go, but I shouldn't, but I should, but I shouldn't, you know, so there's this back and forth play of your psyche, of the physical body, and you're the one executing the exercise, right? So there's some mindset pieces there. Um, But to answer your question, I think, you know, those components, it's like you got to have a really clear and accurate assessment of what what you're capable of. One 80% is plenty and one you actually can do in 95%, whether it's lifting, running, cycling, swimming, any of those pieces. That's great. And as you mentioned in the past, uh, a coach is necessary to see the uh, blind spots that an athlete may not be able to see, Mm -hmm. you know, any distractions, for example. So that's why coaches fill a very important role. Absolutely. One thing I've learned over the years, and we've touched on that uh, previously, is that what works for one athlete may not work for another. So there's an individualized aspect to coaching. We coach Mm -hmm. the individual as well as the athlete. But on the other side of the coin, Amanda, there are certain fundamentals of physiology that apply to the human body that is applicable to all, right? Mm -hmm. What branch of physiology fascinates you the most or do you like to uh, delve into the most? Well, it's funny. That's a great question. Um, Mm -hmm. I would say, I mean, the body is so incredible. And I think I'm, you know, I'm really big on prevention you know, recovery, sustainability. So Mm -hmm. as, you know, as actually the effect of what we do. So I love the input and the process for the outcomes that give us longevity. So I think that is kind of the simple answer, but I gotta be honest. I love how the brain processes it all. I think our brains are like these mega computers and I'm like, Oh my goodness. So little things. The brain is doing it all. It's sending the signals. It's processing the signals. It's amazing. Right? Yes. Yes. So I'm like, well, what branch? I'm like, I mean, we are incredible, incredible. And I think, um, I know I feel that when I run, it's mm-hmm. like, ah, oh, I, I think I should, I shared this with you last time. I'm like, I really feel like this is what I was created to do. My body is strong. And I mentioned, I'm like, I really feel like God's presence, like just coming over. I'm like, yes, this is amazing. Right. Yes. So that when I compete, I love it. So, um, I think that all of the inner workings and how, one thing is connected to the next. I think that's a lot of my background too, is not just looking at the symptoms, but really looking at the root of what's going on. Um, why somebody's back or their stride is off because of how their foot is striking the ground. I worked with one athlete a few weeks ago and, uh, he's a lacrosse player, great athlete here in Arizona. And, um, it was so amazing because when he went to shoot, I could see that his foot like the biomechanics of his foot were weaker, you know, just a little, like he hadn't been trained in that way. And I was like, wait a minute, put your foot here, move here. And so literally we made this adjustment. He was able to rotate through and it could explain why his lower back was, you know, every season about the same time his lower back would start to, to be impacted. And I'm like, this is why, because there's all this torque because there's no, you know, rotation in the hips because of where your foot is, is actually landing and how you're twerking your foot. So that type of stuff. I mean, I get, I could geek out about it forever. Yeah. The biomechanics <laughs> of it. I'm with you, Ray. And like then how the brain processes 
this is that. So watching him, this is a great example of like being in front of him and watching him um, and him processing new movement, you know, seeing my son process new movements. Um, it's really just so fascinating how some athletes, sometimes you just need time. You don't need to like have somebody scrutinizing everything. You just need a bit of time. Your body can move through, integrate it in, and then you can go do it, especially with younger athletes, right? So um, all of those pieces, I think, you know, there's a huge awareness piece that I keep coming back to. Um, sometimes we can have the self-awareness, but sometimes we have just so much going on in our lives that it's tough. It's tough to, to know everything, to be the one-stop shop for yourself. Um, I think support is a, is, is a beautiful thing. And so your core support team of who's around you as you're becoming you know the best you can be and fulfilling your potential is super important agreed and it's amazing how when you focused on the biomechanics of your athlete you were able to pick up some of these imbalances that were creating mm -hmm. inefficiencies so yeah it's so very important i read an article recently entitled fit but unhealthy mm -hmm. it kind of reminded me of what you were talking about uh, the difference yeah. between rest rested and recovered but the mm -hmm. article brought to light the paradox between the terms health and fitness. Those two terms mm -hmm. can be very different states, right? Lifestyle, yeah. for example, affects both health and fitness. And mm -hmm. high-intensity training, for example, combined with a poor diet adds stress to the mind-body connection. So there's a lot to it. So uh, an athlete can essentially be fit and be just as unhealthy as an unathlete. What approach do you incorporate in your coaching to assure that the mind-body connection is addressed appropriately? Mm, loaded, loaded. You're coming with yes. some great questions <laughs> today, Ray. I love it. I love it. I just love well, the science, I, you know. It is. The science is great. And I think, you know, like even bringing it down a level, like, I mean, the first part of your question, you asked, like, the fitness and the health can be, those two terms can be two very different states. And I, I love that because I do a lot like in the work with our athletes, I talk a lot about emotional state uh, versus feelings, uh, feelings come and go and emotional state is a choice. So if mm -hmm. you are, you know, if you make a decision to be, you know, whether it's confident, to be bold, to be clear, that's a decision. Now, the feeling of like, oh, I don't really know or uncertainty, like those come and go. You can be happy one minute, sad the next. Like it's just, it's what it is. They come and go. So when you talk about the difference between health and fitness, first of all, um, yeah, the fitness level of, of an individual is so, so, so important. And it impacts their health, right? But yes. we see, you know, even fitness and figure competitions um, are not necessarily the most healthy processes. Um, a lot of times there's, you know, a mm -hmm. lot of deprivation going on and a lot of things and a lot of respect for, you know, the commitment that it takes, however, is that optimal long-term, I've seen a lot of damage um, for different athletes long-term, just metabolically with, with the wrong type of training for, mm -hmm. you know, things like fitness and stuff like that. So that's one, one piece of it. And then you look at the lifestyle, um, the lifestyle of having a high intensity, anything, you know, high intensity training, high intensity <laughs> life, um, having really nutritional support and having really the input to support, 
you know, whatever you're doing is so key. You can, you know, I actually, you know, some of it, a lot of people are like, oh, you must have perfect diet all the time. I'm an 80-20 girl. I believe that I love to cook. I love food. I think food is amazing. It's important. I always call it love food when I cook for my husband, my son. I'm like, okay, these are the things that, you know, make life good. Take time to take care. Take time to enjoy and yes. savor the goodness, you know, the, this process. And, you know, honestly, that is something that I found later after I had retired. I I enjoyed cooking, but I would say that the eating and the nutritional piece for me as an athlete was the hardest part. So the way that I really support our athletes now and that we work within our team is I really look at, hey, what are some of the pieces that you enjoy? You know, what are some of the pieces that you like? Some some athletes like to drink more shakes and mm-hmm. eat less, chew less food. I was one of those athletes. I was like, man, I just got to sit here and chew all these chicken breasts and all this. And for some of it, I was a vegetarian athlete, right? So a whole lot of chewing vegetables in the middle of the Swiss Alps. Like it was, it was interesting <laughs> to say the least, right? Yes. So um, I think that, you know, nutrition comes into play in that way. But again, it's individualized. Like you got to figure out, I you know, some of my teammates that were, you know, medalists in, in the games, like, is their nutrition always spot on? No. Mm-hmm. And even up until the games, they had their rituals. They had the things that made them tick and, and helped them to be effective. And it wasn't always organic, super healthy stuff, right? But they knew their bodies. Yes. So that piece of it, yeah, you got you to gotta know yourself. And a lot of times you don't really realize Um, some of the questions, um, unless questions are posed. So a lot of times I'll ask questions, well, what about this? Well, what about this is something that you enjoy. And so by drawing those questions out of our athletes, we're able to see, hmm, you know, this is something, is that something for you? Does that resonate? They're like, yeah, actually, I actually love, you know, having shakes and then having one meal versus four meals during the day or five meals during the day. But it was because we asked those questions that are intentional and that really bring that out. So, um, yeah, there's there's unhealthy athletes out there that are in great shape. Um, And I believe it's more of an awareness and a physicality, like the physical being needs to know, Okay, there's fuel that you need. How is your body going to tap into it? My little boy, he's like me. I used to have honey sticks before I would go down the bobsled because for me I would burn through um you know anything that I ate it would just you know go right through me so by the time I was at the at the line I needed like a jolt and so I mean some of us did caffeine like you know like well (laughs) do Red Bull or something like that so it's for this period of time but then the awareness to know like okay after a stressful situation or after there's been um a lot of taxing on the body and the mind vitamin c is one of the things you need the most and so you know getting like a high level of vitamin c to bring it back down so that's something that i sure remember oranges after i would do track meets in high school well there's a reason you know yeah, yeah. they're a great a great boost but like that that vitamin c really helps to even out the system so, that's, that's yeah. great i just love digging into the research and the science nutrition etc i love it in fact in it's my great. own training I recently started a uh, training by heart rate. I'm trying it out for a few months, maybe three to six months, to see how my body responds. Sort of an experiment. Mm-hmm. There's a whole body yeah. of research out there regarding its merits and benefits. So we'll see how it goes. And are you involved in any type of training for yourself, any exercise programs currently, personally? 
Yeah, well, it's funny. I get that question quite a bit, and it's Mm -hmm. been a transition for me. Right now, right, I am focusing on finding, really listening to my body and finding what I need. I love running. Mm -hmm. So I'm, you know, running is a piece of that. I'm doing quite a bit of restorative work right now because as we're, you know, kind of moving through the COVID season, um, I'm in hot yoga quite a bit. We're fortunate that That's a lot great. of our studios here in Arizona are open. So I do that two to three times a week. Um, and then I also just, you know, I love weight. I love lifting. I love feeling strong under the bar. And, you know, for where I'm at, I, I you know, in my age, I'm like, okay, I'm 40 and I want to always be strong and be able to have the mobility yes. to do is so important. all the things. So strength training, running as well as yoga. And then we hike a lot out here in Scottsdale, Arizona. So we love to get out on the mountains and just go and see the beautiful views. So it's definitely more about an active lifestyle and juggling that. This is another one that I get a lot. Um, People are like, yeah, I'm just trying, you know, I'm a, I'm a dad and I'm, you know, going to school for a second career and I'm supporting, you know, my local church and I'm trying to get my running in, you know? And so it's really, it's a juggle in terms of uh, finding time and space to do it all. So that actually has been me honing my craft. My sport has been figuring out how and what I need and then taking time to care for myself and give myself those things and really enjoy them um, in my training process. So that's where I'm at in this chapter. That's excellent. And finally, Amanda, we'll wrap it up. Uh, you, you stated your goals and what's on the horizon for you, the long-term horizon for Fortify Coaching, which is your company? Mm. Anything well so i mean we, we i'm always used to looking at you know four eight and twelve year cycles that's yes the, that's the olympic athlete in in me the okay. high performer in me right <laughs> so um it's funny because our team will talk about what is going on now and then mm-hmm. we'll talk about two years out four years out you know eight even ten years out we have a big vision for our company and sure. so um i would say the next piece on the horizon we're excited i'm going to be doing coffee coffee talks, actually. I'm going to be doing segments where I get to just, you know, talk to you guys, be, be in, be in the ears of our athletes um, around, yeah, just inspiration, um, as well as introspection. And then any pieces, um, around having an impact and really, you know, making a difference in your own life as well as others. So I'm a Seattle girl, so I love coffee. Um, and so being able to sit down and have coffee talks, those are some short segments. They'll be, you know, less than eight minutes that we um, share as, you know, probably weekly or biweekly at this point. Um, so that's one piece. We're also moving into our Mindset Academy. So we're really excited to have some online resources for teams and clubs that want to have um, an additional layer of support around mindset performance um, and really being, you know, aware of some of those pieces. So that's going to be launching midsummer. So those are, I guess, the two things in the next, I guess, six months or so. And then there's many more, like that's many, <laughs> many more to come. But um, those are the pieces that we're really excited to grow the community, to support athletes with content, with resources that are valuable, um, that are really making a difference, and to help each athlete identify what is it that you need in this season of your life, of your process, and make sure that you're putting together, I call them high performance teams, but a team around you that's really your core team to support you in that, whether it's nutrition, sports specific, mindset performance, um, having those pieces in place. So that's what's coming up and that's what we're actively doing now, Ray. Perfect. And where can the audience find you on the web and on social media? 
Yeah, well, um, so we are almost like we're almost at the point where website stuff is up. So Fortify underscore coaching is our main place on Instagram, um, you know, in the DMs as well as content there. Um, the other platforms are, you know, it takes a little time to get all those pieces together. But I would say for right now, Fortify underscore coaching um, for our Instagram handle is the best place to find us. Perfect. Amanda, it has been a pleasure having you on the program once again. Part two. Awesome. Love it. Yes. I love that we made it happen, Ray. And thank you. It's always a pleasure to be your guest, um, to be able to speak to your runners and other athletes. And yeah, if there's anything that I can do by way of support, please reach out. But just love everything that Rookie Runners um, is about and your community as well with USATF and coaching all the things. So congratulations on all that you're creating as well. And it's great to, great to be with you today. Thank you so much. And as always, we, uh, our conversation was very informative and worthwhile. Let's keep the conversation going, okay? I wish you Sounds well great. moving forward. All the best to you, your family, and, and all your endeavors. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Ray. Appreciate you having us. And uh, yeah, we're excited for all that's to come as well. Thanks again. Take care, Amanda. Okay. And welcome to segment three. This is where we wrap things up. Enjoyed my conversation with Amanda, as always. Hope you liked it as well. Last week, I had my highest mileage since I started running. Did 60 miles. And the reason for that is, since I've been training with the Maffetone method, I've been running a lot easier, which allows me to just put in a lot more mileage and still feel great. Prior to that, a few years ago, I was always running in zone three and four most of the time. So after 50 miles, I would feel broken. So now I'm able to put in a lot more mileage and build my base. I feel like I'm kind of starting over and I don't mind that. I'm finding a renewed enjoyment for running. That's really what it's all about. But the base building aspects of the method is really what it's all about. The first three to six months or even a year, pace is not the concern, but time on your feet and maintaining an aerobic heart rate. Simple, yet challenging, because most runners are used to running by pace. And the no pain, no gain mentality is pervasive in our running community as well. You know, our culture is just about, you know, going at it hard. And one thing about the Maffetone method is that you have to be patient. You have to be willing to put your ego aside for a few months. Hard to do for some people. My perspective is that I have nothing to lose. As an older athlete, I'm not attached to my ego. I can try something new and just be patient and work with it, see if it's the best thing for me. And uh, as I said, I was able to run 60 miles last week, doing the same this week because I'm running easy walking when I have to, and then just enjoying the process. So there you have it. If it sounds like something you might be interested in, you know what to do. Check it out at philmaffetone.com. Read all about it, read the research, and see if it's something that you may want to try. I hope your training method of choice is working out for you. And may you stay injury-free and continue to enjoy your running journey for many years to come, because that's what it's all about. I'm in it for the long haul. I want to be in this game for years to come. That's why I'm trying different methods that will benefit me in the long run. 
Thank you so much for listening. You can find the Rookie Runners Podcast on social media. On Instagram, we are at Rookie Runners Podcast. On Facebook, Rookie Runners. And on Twitter, Runner underscore Rookie. And of course, you can listen to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, and many others. Until the next time, stay safe, be well, and run happy. <laughs>